Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was becoming swamped and they were in a great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I hope you are. Like um, Davina said, survived the storm. And I was, I was thinking, as I was um, just praying with the guys this morning, my favorite book is, um, is a book called After the Storm, um, does anybody know After the Storm? It's, it's by Percy, the, it's not by Percy the Park Keeper, it's about Percy the Park Keeper. You must have read, uh, it's absolute classic, it's right up there with <laughs> War and Peace. <laughs> well today we're not talking about After the Storm, but you're entering into the storm with Rick the Park Keeper. Sorry, that's very corny. Um, but as Davina said, we're kind of entering into that thing of what's, what's it like to be in these storms? How do we negotiate them? And how does God meet us in the place of storm? So I wonder, at the beginning of this, if you've ever been in a situation where you felt utterly helpless, out of control, vulnerable, powerless, um, and you, it almost brought you to the question, am I going to get through this? How can I get through this? And it might have been a situation that happened at, at work. It might be something that happened within your family, an illness, maybe an illness to yourself. Maybe a situation where your reputation came into question, your integrity um, maybe it was a storm that was actually in a close relationship, maybe even your, your marriage. And maybe it's a storm that you're right in at the middle, at the moment. Well, the good news is that Jesus meets us in the storm. And I was thinking, um, what memory came immediately to mind about a storm that I was in? And, and, it, and it was kind of a memory that I'd forgotten about. Um, because some storms can last a very long time, maybe months, and sometimes can only last a moment, but they're so intense uh, that they, they come with fear and all kinds of trauma. And I remembered when we lost our son Ben as a five-year-old in a shopping mall, in a very crowded shopping mall in Singapore, and one minute he was holding our hand and looking at some toys, he, he dropped our hand to look at some toys, and it seemed only a moment when we turned back and he wasn't there. And we'd just come from another shop, so we went to that shop. He'll have just gone back to that shop, no sign of him. Bear in mind, he was a five-year-old, blonde-haired boy in an Asian city. You know, he, he stood out pretty well. But we couldn't find him. We couldn't find him anywhere. And it was maybe five minutes, and that feeling was starting to come up in me. How can I have been so irresponsible? 
And then also, as the time went on, maybe up to 10 minutes, oh my gosh, has the worst thing happened? Every parent's nightmare, has he been abducted? Well, he's 25 years old now, so you know the story ends in a good way. Um, we looked under every space on that floor in the mall. And then we, in a panic, we just got on the elevator and went up to the next floor, and there he was. And what we didn't realize is that every shopping mall in Singapore has an area which is a child play area, but is also a refuge for children when they get lost. We didn't know that. But some kindly person had taken Ben by the hand and led him up to this place and left him there. And there he was, wailing away, but we found him. But the feeling of relief, but also panic that was still there. The adrenaline was still pumping through. And I imagine that's something like the story that happened this morning. The Bible is always very fleeting on the details, but if we get in within the story, we realize how powerless the disciples must have felt within the storm. And yet it started so normally. You know, this was a journey that they would have made many times, crossing the lake together. For four of, at least four of them, the fishermen, it would, have, it would have been a journey on that lake that they'd made throughout their whole life. First working for their fathers, and then on their own as fishermen. And immediately they get in the boat, Jesus goes to sleep, he's exhausted. And he leaves the boat in charge of the disciples to negotiate it. And initially the storm starts to build up, and I can imagine them saying... We can handle this, you know, we've been through this before. But then the storm intensifies. And apparently the the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by hills. And so as it says in the passage, storms sweep down from the hills and they create a kind of almost supernatural turbulence, much more than just a normal storm on the Sea of Galilee. And they're in a storm like this. And I imagine that even then, the fishermen and the other disciples, they can say, okay, this is a bad storm, but we've, you know, we've been through worse. But then the storm intensifies even more to the point where the waves are starting to crash over the side of the boat and the boat is starting to fill with water. And that's the point when they start to panic. Now, I'm, I'm not a boaty person in any by any stretch of the imagination, I avoid boats ever since I had a traumatic experience as a 14-year-old crewing for somebody, which I won't go into. It's still too painful. Um, yeah. But um, I've got a neighbour called Anthony, who's a Kiwi, who is a boaty person. I think sailor is the technical term. And I, um, I asked him, what is the most scary situation you've been in? And why did, what made it so scary? And his answer surprised me because I fully anticipated him saying, well, there was this time we were sailing around the Cape of Good Hope and we hit a storm and the rigging broke and the sails, I don't know, all these technical terms. But he said that's never happened to him. He said the GPS and the weather forecasting, the boats are so sophisticated and so good that it's easy to avoid a storm and even if you're caught in the edge of one, you, you can negotiate it. But he said the scariest thing that can happen, on, scariest thing that happened to him, is, is, and this is the number one rule of boating. He said is don't let the water in. 
And so one occasion, he went down into the boat, into the engine room, and there was a foot of seawater, and it was coming in really fast. And he said at that point, that was one of the few occasions where he feared for both the boat and the crew, because the water was coming in so fast. Now, as it turned out, he switched off the engine to, to think about what was happening, and that solved the problem because the water was being drawn in through the cooling system of the engine and they're able to get back safely. But I thought that was a really interesting because that was what was happening in the story. It wasn't just that the storm was so violent that the boat was getting... It was because the water was coming in so much faster than they could get rid of it. And it wasn't because the disciples were lacking in experience it because they knew that they were in absolute real peril. They knew the danger of the boat filling up with water, just like my neighbour Anthony did. And so they reached that point. And I think you, you can imagine from Storm Eugene, I'd forgotten just how noisy a storm is, especially if you're living in woodland and you can hear the noise of the trees. But it is noisy and it is chaotic. And you can imagine the disciples, this wasn't a quiet trip across a boating lake in a pedalo. This was a real life and death situation. There'd be the noise of the the wind, the noise of the waves crashing onto the boat, the boat creaking, and the disciples shouting to make one another heard above the noise of the storm. Shouting in panic probably and tying things down. And it's at that point that they turn to Jesus and you can imagine they had to go right up to him. It says that. They go right up to Jesus and have to shout to make themselves heard. Master, we're drowning. Or as it says in Mark's gospel, the parallel to this, it says, Master, don't you care that we are drowning? And I think that's a really interesting place to be in. Jesus gets up, he wakes up, he gets up and he rebukes and he calms the storm. And the wind and the waves die down and they're still. And I can imagine the disciples' reaction. One minute they're in a storm, they're soaking wet, their voices are hoarse. And the next minute they're standing almost instantly on a calm boat. And they're looking at Jesus and this, this holy moment. Looking and thinking, and as they say, who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And almost as though the stillness was more awesome than the storm. The stillness of realization of how great this person is who's in the boat with them. And it reminded me of that story also of Elijah running away from Ahab and Jezebel in the Old Testament. And he encounters God. And and the Bible says that he was on the top of this mountain. And first of all, um, I can't remember which order it comes in. That first of all, there's a violent wind. Then there's an earthquake. Then there's a fire. But the Bible said God wasn't in any of those. And then there was a quiet whisper and my translation says it was the sound of sheer silence and God was in the sound of sheer silence 
And I think for the disciples, God was in the sheer silence that happened after the calming of the storm, and they are all struck. And then Jesus looks at them, and I think he's, it's hard to interpret quite, quite how he, what he's saying, how he's saying it from, but he says, where's your faith? And I think he's both astonished at their lack of faith and a bit indignant as well. And it's as though in the middle of this storm, they've forgotten who's in the boat with them. In the middle of the panic, they've forgotten that the one who created the seas, the wind, the storm, the universe, is in the boat with them. They're they're acting as though they're on their own, and that he's not with them, and that they've, they've, they've been abandoned. In the beginning, John says, John the Apostle who was in the boat, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him. Nothing that was made, that had been made, was made without him. Jesus, the very word of God, who created everything, spoke the word that calmed the seas. And I think as Christians, I think for myself, sometimes we're very good at theorising about storms and what it's like to go through them. We sing songs about them, which is great, and we talk about them. And I think we're also very good at looking back at events and seeing how we've been saved for them. I think what we're less good at is actually encountering God in the middle of a storm, of trusting him in the middle of a storm. I know that's true of me, and I'm sure that's true of many of us. And it's not easy. It's not easy to find a place of trust and peace when the storm, whatever form it's taking, is raging around us. I guess the the question is, um, how does that work practically? How do I, in the middle of a storm, how do I trust God who I can't see when the waves that are so real are so enormous? How do I trust when everything feels so chaotic? How do I trust when I'm emotionally exhausted, wrung out, and when I feel so powerless? And I think that's a very real and important question. And of course, every situation is different. And every situation, the Holy Spirit will give different solutions for us when we're in those moments. But I think there's some common places for us to turn to. There's common places that I turn to. One of them, which I hadn't thought of before, but is the place of worshipping. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed are you, Lord, even when I'm in the storm. I'm going to carry on praising, praising you even if I don't feel like it. Because there's a truth there that is bigger than the moment that I'm in. For me, also, just reading the Bible until I find my own voice in it. Reading the Psalms, especially, until I connect with the moment that I'm in. And then I can believe the promises that go alongside that moment. And of course, it's so important as well to ask other people for help. 
other people that can stand alongside us and pray for us in that moment. But actually, the, biggest, the greatest illustration I had was, was happened in these last two days. I was on a retreat in a place called Penhurst in East Sussex. And um, in that moment, there were only two of us who were in the house together. And normally, you're on a retreat, it's just you and God. But I really connected with this guy. I'll call him Tom, because um, I don't want to say his real name. Um, and it was his first retreat. Never been on a retreat before. And as we, we talked, I realized that he'd only just become a Christian. And he told his story that in the first lockdown, um, he's a teacher, and he started to become quite anxious, And as the lockdown went on, he became more and more and more anxious. And he just didn't know what to do with it. Any direction he went to try and find a solution, the anxiety just increased. And so, and and these were his words. He said, I just asked for help. And I said, what do you mean you asked for help? Who did you ask for help? And he said, I just went into my room and I asked God for help. He had no Christian background. Um, he, he, his grandmother had taken him to Methodist Chapel when he was a child and he'd gone to a Church of England school that was the only experience he'd had and yet in this anxiety he went into a room and he asked God for help and he said I felt this physical warmth coming on my body and a stillness. He didn't use the word peace, didn't use the word tranquility. He said there was a stillness that came, which, was on, which could only be supernatural. And that was the beginning of his journey of faith. That was only two years ago. And here he was, and we connected at this retreat. And I think, I think that's a beautiful story for all of us who've been praying for people in lockdown, that they would encounter God, people who don't even know him. But it's also a beautiful story that God meets us in the stillness. And God meets us when we are humble enough and small enough to ask for help. The disciples' mistake was that they forgot who was in the boat with them. The disciples' mistake was that they tried to do what they could do in their own strength. And only as a last resort, they looked in the corner to see who was there. I wondered, why does God allow us to go through storms? Situations which we can't cope with, which we feel powerless. And in the natural world, storms are important that they clear out the old diseased wood. um, And that's why so many things fall down. But without storms, we'd go through life thinking that we can manage situations in our own strength strength thinking that we're all we need and it isn't until we go through storms which are bigger than us that we realize we can't do that and without storms we wouldn't trust God to come through and we wouldn't see the glory of God in our lives So I thank God for those things. Whatever, even if you're in a storm today, I pray that you be able to see the goodness of God and the power of God. Let's pray. Father, in a way, this is 
kind of an odd situation because it was meant to be a baptism. And yeah, I pray that there'd be something that we've heard from this that would bring us reassurance. I pray that we'll be still places where we encounter Jesus in the boat with us. Jesus who is good. Jesus who is powerful. And like my friend Tom, um, moments of, of awe where we ask for your help and you step in. And we encounter you. And I pray this morning that um, whoever or wherever we are, we would encounter you, Lord God. Amen.